Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, if you would. There's a, there's a shameless plug. That guy gets an A today, guys. You guys totally missed out on a huge opportunity to brown nose with your wife. I set it up for you, man. But, but other people could have done that for you, man. Luke chapter 12. Um, you know, there comes a time when, you, when stuff happens in our culture that you have to kind of look at and go, what in the world is going on here? You know, and, and, and I think we visited one of those moments here the last couple days with this thing with, with Target that's been going on, you know, with the... This, the, the, they're, they're, they, essentially, they're going gender neutral when it comes to restrooms, right? And uh, this, is, this is more than just, I hope you understand that the, the agenda behind this, that this isn't a, really about someone that's transgender. This is about an entire movement that essentially pushes us more liberal than we've ever been before in our lives, where we are literally in a redefining culture, where we're taking definitions that have, been, that have stood the test of time since the beginning of our, of our country, really the beginning of the world, and in some regards, as it relates to marriage. We're just redefining it. We're just saying, no, we don't, we don't think it's like that, so we're going to redefine it. Now, I hope you understand that the, 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 the digression that's happening, now it's, it's restrooms. Tomorrow it will be something else. Here's what I would say to you as, as the church, is that, you know, there comes a time when we're called to live by principles always. Like, like Jesus gives us principles to live by. Those principles are the things that we apply into our lives and that we live by, and we try and do our best to hit the principle. But those principles, when they're challenged by the culture, then we have to make a choice because we're either living by principle or we're living by convenience. And so when, when the culture says, well, no, we're going we're gonna to challenge your principle, the Christian has to say, well... What am I going to do here? Am I going to live by convenience or am I going to live by my principle? You know, and for me, I thought at first with the, the target thing, you know, I thought, well, you know, I really struggle with that. You know, and, and if I really, at the, as, I, as I evaluated that, and I don't like posting stuff on, on social media specifically about stuff like that because what happens is people twist your words and, and it just becomes an argument. But here's the deal. The reality is, is that who are we to redefine who God made us, right? Who are we to redefine that? It, and, and, and I think that when the culture starts to redefine those things, there's a principle that's being violated in our world when it comes to Christian. And we have to say, yeah, I'm not going to be part of that. I'm going to disassociate myself from those things. Now, you know, I thought long and hard about this, and I thought, you know, at the end of the day, as a Christian, I could say, well... Principally, I'm standing against that, but conveniently, I'm going to continue to go to the, frequent the place that is, is, you know, kind of pushing this agenda so that, you know, it's easier for me. I thought I could not use the restrooms, and I could not let my little kids use the restrooms and all that kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, what is that saying? What is that saying to them? Oh, no, they're not going to use the bathrooms. So for me personally, this is a matter of conscience, by the way. I'm not telling you what to do. For me personally, I personally have made a choice to say I'm not going there anymore because of a principle. 
It's a principal issue to me. This is not about transgenderism. I, don't want, you, I want you to m don't miss what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is, is that this is way bigger than that. And essentially, this is, about, this is about shaking the fist at God and saying, I don't care what you say. I'm doing whatever I want. This is a full-on rebellion against the Bible, against the Lord. And I, for one, am not going to support people that are a full-on rebellion against the Lord as, as a matter of principle from my perspective. And yes, it's inconvenient for me. I like shopping at Target. I really do. But you know what? It's, it, for me, it's a matter of principle. So, so here's the thing is you're going to continually be challenged with these things. This isn't the first, and it won't be the last. You know, well, well, well where do we, where do we um, you know, draw the line when the entire culture goes this way or not? Well, here's the thing as Christians. And you can hide behind the idea, uh, you know, behind the, 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 the veil of saying, well, these are the things that just have to happen, and, you know, just be passive about it, right, and just let it happen. But I think God puts you, chose you, to be in a generation today where these things are happening. I believe that there is an accountability that comes with that, right? Like God placed you specifically. He chose you from the foundation of the world to live in 2016, and he knew that there would be these issues coming in the world. So here's the deal. Is you, have to, you have to make a choice in your life what you're living for, what matters to you. At the end of the day, this fits right into what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 12, where he's saying, am I standing ground for the temporal. Am I living for today or am I, am I investing in the future? Am I more concerned about the here and the now than I am about the, the there and the then, about, about the temporal versus the eternal? This is a matter of really taking what God has said in His Word and say, hey, go into the world, but do not be of the world. Stand against what the world says is okay, but at the same time, do it in love. And again, you know, I see so many Christians do this the wrong way, where they, they're frustrated with the culture, so they lash out. That's not Jesus. Yes, we need to stand. We need to make a stand. And, and here's what I would tell you is there's many different ways to do that. And the Holy Spirit will direct and guide you and lead you as it relates to how you need to be involved in these issues culturally. What I'm telling you is that not everyone's going to be called to do what I'm doing. But I am doing this as a matter of the Holy Spirit, as, con as a matter of conviction in my heart. And I would say that you have to do the same. You have to look at these things. Because again, where do you draw the line? What if the, it continues to go and every, every retailer goes, well, I, I don't even want to, you know what, at the end of the day, I, today is what I make my decisions on. Not tomorrow, not the what ifs, but what do I know today? What I know today is there's a principle of mine that I believe is biblically you know, violating who God is and what he stands for, and I'm not going to support those kind of things. It would be in the likeness of going, well, I'm totally against pornography and child slavery, but I, but I watch it. That's the, the likeness. And I'm not saying that transgenders are that way. What I'm saying is it's not about the transgender. It's the, it's the parallel. It's the principle. I don't support it, but I'm doing it, but I'm watching it. But you do support it then if you're watching it. You're supporting something if you're partaking, if you're continuing to help them do what they're doing. Amen? That's what you have to consider in your own life. And, you know, it's really um, one of those, it's, it's really a, a topic that, you know, you, you want to you you um, kill a church, start talking about this stuff. But do you know what? At the end of the day, this isn't about 
trying to grow a church. This is about standing for principles about what the Word of God says. And you know what? If I show up next week and I'm the only one here, praise God. You know what I mean? Because it's about that. It's about being faithful to what He's called you to do. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus said He's coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back one day. And He's warning His disciples to, 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 to use their time wisely, to be good, faithful stewards of what God's given them in every aspect of life. Stand with me if you would, please. And we're going to read Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from their wedding feast so that they may open... Uh, they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. So you, here you have the master that comes home. The servants are ready to serve him, and he's going to serve them. Okay? Verse 38, if he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this. That if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would, have not, he would have not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager? Whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find uh, so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in his coming, or in coming, and begins to beat in the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at that hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And the servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much, is, much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrust much, they, they will demand the more. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord... Open our hearts and our minds to what you want to speak to us about this morning, specifically, individually, Lord. You have a word for us. We're here to grow. We're here to know you more. Maybe we're here to know you for the first time. I don't know, Lord. But God, we want to sit at your feet and we want your word to be our guide. We want your word to be our, um, our standard, Lord. Help us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus is, in Luke chapter 12, warning his disciples, and there's five different warnings, and we've talked about three of them. Talked about the fact that Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't, don't, don't be a hypocrite. Don't live in a world that is, you know, don't live like you're something that you're not. He talks to them about, you know, not being covetousness, not to be greedy, not to be focusing on the world. 
So much so that all you're doing is yearning for the things of the world because at the end of the day, you can't take anything with you. And then last week, we talked about worrying. That would be the opposite of being greedy. It's worrying about God supplying every, your every need. Like, He's not going to do what He said He is. It's, it's, a, it's really at the end of the day and one of those situations where you're not trusting God if you're worrying. And, and it's against, uh, you're, you're not trusting in His Word. Today, the Lord wants to speak to us about His coming. He's coming back. The reality that He is coming soon. And that the, at the end of the day, we don't know when, but we're to be ready. The title of my message this morning is, Are You Ready? Are you ready? Now, that's an interesting question, right? In my house, it's an interesting question. Because when I ask my family, when we're getting ready to go somewhere, Hey, you guys ready? It's amazing how they define that word. Because some of my family members think that in bed with their pajamas on is ready. Some of them think that getting in the shower means, yeah, I'm ready. You know, I'm not saying they got that from me or, not, or anything. I, I do that to my wife. You know, she'll be like, hey, hey, are you ready? And I go, yeah, just give me a sec. I'll be, I'm ready, but just give me a second. And I'll do something. Wait a second. If you have to say, just give me a sec, then you, you are not allowed to say the words, I'm ready, okay? Can we just qualify that right now? You're not allowed to say, I'm ready, if you say, well, just hold on a second, or wait a moment, or I'm almost ready, or whatever. You're not, you're not ready. It's, either, it's, it's sort of a black and white thing. You either are or you aren't, right? It's hilarious when I get to the, um, when I get to the door, and, and here's what I've done with my kids, because they, they're always like, Dad, get me up in the morning, I'm going to go and all this kind of stuff. And so I'll wake them up and I'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to leave in 10, 15 minutes. 15 minutes, I'm leaving. Well, guess what? In 15 minutes, all of a sudden, they're ransacking their room, trying to get ready to go. Hair's all jacked up, you know. They've still got the three, you know, one shoe on, half a leg in their pant. And they're like, no, I'm ready. And they're trying to come out. No, you're not. You're not ready. So guess what? You get to stay home. You get to stay because you're not ready. You're going to stay here. Because being ready means you're standing at the door and you're waiting for me to, to say, let's go. That's being ready. That's what Jesus is saying to us today. He's defining what it means for us to be ready this morning. And I would say some of us think we're ready and we're not. Some of us are. Some of us think that we're, we're, we're ready for Jesus to show up at any time because we, we long to be in His presence. But there's, there's something that Jesus wants us to understand as it relates to being ready to see Him. And it all, it's all about being faithful to what He's called you to do. It's all about being faithful to what, what His plan and purpose is for your life. That's being ready. It's doing that all the while waiting for Him, watching for Him, and working for Him. Those are the three things that Jesus points out for us in this text. Being ready, first and foremost, if you're taking notes, means that you're waiting with expectancy. That you're waiting with expectancy. We, we, we see that in verse 35 there. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And listen, this is parabolic. He's talking in a parable. So not everything that He says in these things are going to relate to the overall truth that he's trying to bring out. A, par a, a parable is an earthly truth that God is laying side, aside a heavenly um, truth. He's trying to get us to understand something. He's using earthly language. You cannot take a parable 
and say this is exactly the way it fits in. Jesus is using an earthly example. So some of the things that he says don't fit into exactly his parallel, but at the end of the day, the overall truth is what he's trying to illustrate for us. This is parabolic. So he says, be like men. Be like men that are... That he, he didn't mean literally lay in your bed completely dressed with your lights on always waiting for Jesus to come. That's not what he's meaning here. But he's saying stay dressed for action. Keep your, your lamp burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may be open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So Jesus gives this impression to his disciples here that being ready means waiting expectantly. That you are you are not undressed and moving slow through your house, but you are fully dressed, groomed, standing by the door, waiting with an expectancy for the Lord to say, it's time to go. That's what it means to be ready. What does it mean to wait expectantly, though? It doesn't mean you live your life like you're not going to see the Master come home. Some people think that they're waiting with expectancy and they have no no really ambition to see Jesus. They're like, it's not going to happen in their life. That is not waiting expectantly. That is essentially saying, you know what? People have been saying, you know, people have been saying Jesus is coming back for years and years and years. And, and you know, he'll come one day, but, you know, but, but, but as far as it relates to me, I'm just going to live my life. That's not waiting with expectancy to see him, is it? Jesus said the one that is waiting with expectancy is ready to go. Like he's, he, he's dressed and ready to go. He's waiting for his his, his master to come home from this place. Why would we today, because th that's the argument with people, is they say, well, Jesus been, you know, people have been saying Jesus is coming back forever. The master's going to come home one day. Of course he is, but we'll, we'll probably never see it, is some, how some people paraphrase it. Well, what would make us think that we would? What would make us think in our generation today that we would see the coming of Christ versus any other generation from 2,000 years ago. Well, number one, huh? The Bible. Jesus' words. Jesus told his disciples, the, those who were apostles 2,000 years ago, to live wait, with waiting expectancy because he didn't, they wanted to know when he was coming and he just said, here's the signs. Matthew 24, you can look it up later. Here's the signs. This is what's gonna, what it's going to look like. So the whole world's been, you know, kind of looking at those signs. Yeah, but man, we've been seeing earthquakes. We've been seeing famines. We've been seeing wars and rumors of wars and all this kind of stuff. But Jesus said, but the end has not yet come. There, there's more to it. There, there's other things that we can look at in the Bible to say, hey, where are we as it relates to the prophetic time clock? Where are we? One thing that makes you different than any other generation that has ever lived in the history of the world is the fact that you live in an era where Israel is established as a nation. That is an incredible, incredible timepiece as it relates to the, the prophecies that God has given, you know, regarding his coming. He told, Ezekiel chapter 4 talks about Israel being cast off for X amount of years, but then they were going to be regathered, right? Read it later. Ezekiel 37, same idea. Isaiah chapter 11. These verses talk about Israel being regathered with, along with a whole bunch of other ones. But these ones talk about being Israel being regathered as a nation. Now listen. Guys, prior to um, that 1948, May 14th, 1948 is when that happened. Prior to that, 
um, the fulfillment of that hadn't happened yet. Jesus said in, in Matthew 24, verses 32 through 34, listen to this, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. Now, the fig tree is, is relating to Israel. It's, it's a picture of Israel. It's always a parallel. It's, it's, it's a symbol of Israel. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and it puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Now, there's a big discussion about when Israel became a nation. When was it established? Was it May 14, 1948? Was it 1967? Was it 1988? When, there was three different dates that people have con, are confused about this. At the end of the day, what I'm telling you is all three of those are past tense re, as it relates to you. You see what I'm saying? Jesus said a generation will not pass away. Well, you know, what's a generation in the Bible, you know? What I'm saying to you is that you are closer than any other generation that's ever lived and there are things that have happened that those generations were waiting to happen because they knew it related to the coming of Christ. You are living in a time period where Jesus could pop through the sky at any moment. Everything has happened prophetically that needs to happen. Why is he waiting? Because the Lord is about saving people. He's about saving souls. There's a scripture that talks about uh, the, the invoking of the coming of Christ, or the, the, what I believe to be the rapture at least, will be when the last Gentile comes, when the last Gentile accepts Christ. But, but what, here's what we know at the end of the day, is that the Bible tells us, Jesus told his disciples, number one, to be ready always, to wait expectantly, to know that he could come at any time. We have some prophetic words in the Old Testament that talk about you know, Israel gathering as a nation. There's another sign that's happened. Right? But also, I think, when we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, we look at, look at what Paul was writing there. He said, this is what it's going to be like in the last days. In the last days. When he's talking about the, the last days, he's, he's obviously speaking about the last of the last days. He's talking about the very last point in time before Christ comes back. And he says, man, the world is going to be so self-focused. It's going to be so internal. It's going to be so about me that people have been basically been set up to be their own gods. Do you not see that? Do you not see that today? Even with the things that are going on in our culture today, do you not see the fulfillment of 2 Timothy chapter 3? Those things, have hap those things are happening. Those things are unfolding before our eyes. Children will be disobedient to their parents. Well, that's happened always, not culturally like it is today where you see it in public all over the place. Parents have no control over their children these days. Listen, when I was a kid, I didn't do everything right, but you know what? At the end of the day, I had a fear for my parents. And there was a fear in me that, I, that, that it, when I was younger, because I was fearful of the consequence of what would happen. When I was older, I was fearful in the sense that I respected my parents and I didn't want to do the wrong thing. There's a lack of fear in the world today, completely, on both sides. A lack of fear as it relates to, you know, authority. A lack of fear as it relates to respect as well. Jesus said waiting expectantly means you're dressed for action. He's saying like you're, 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 you're ready, 
in the ancient world, what he was talking about was these guys would wear long robes. And they, and, and they would, when they were getting ready to run or they were going to fight or whatever, or, or you know, even when, the, um, when, they, when they were having to move quickly, they would take their robes and they would tuck them into their belt so that they were girded. They were ready to move around. They could move freely and not have to worry about it. Jesus is saying that's how we're to be. Waiting expectantly means you're girded. You have your robe up into your, tucked into your belt and you're ready to, you're ready to move. It's the idea of you're, ready, you're, you're mobile. Number two, waiting expectantly means your lamp is burning, verse 35b. You know, during this time period where Jesus was talking, this, this, his servants, basically, when a master would go away, they, they, don't, they didn't have cell phones, right? They didn't have a way to communicate, so they didn't know when he was coming. Coming back, this, the illustration he gives is a wedding feast. A wedding feast in that culture was seven days. And it could go longer. It just depended on the celebration. I mean, it might go eight days. So the reality is, and, and the master might not stay the whole time. He might only stay three days and come home. Here's the reality is, is that these servants had to be ready at all times when their master was gone because they had no idea when he was going to show up. They had to have the lamps trimmed and burning always. Ready to, that if he were to knock on the door, that they could show him to his room, that they could prepare him a meal, that they were not caught flat-footed. Waiting expectantly means that your lamp is burning. That you're ready. That you can, you can, you're ready for anything. It doesn't matter if it happens in the middle of the night, you're ready because you're already doing everything that you know to do. It means being prepared. You know, and you can obviously go into Matthew 25 and you can read the parable of the virgins. I don't have time for that. But at the end of the day, go back and read it. You need to be ready. Part of being ready, part of the, the idea of a lamp and oil in the lamp is a picture of the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you're not His, and therefore you are not ready. But you can go back and read that later. The last thing we see here is waiting expectantly means that you're being awakened spiritually and ready to serve. These guys were supposed to be ready in the middle of the night, no matter what happened, that they could serve their master. The master says, Jesus gives us kind of crazy illustration because these guys would laugh. No doubt, he probably heard some chuckles in the crowd when he said, oh, and by the way, when the master shows up, he's going to get himself ready and serve you. <laughs> What's he mean by that? That's not even, that doesn't happen. Masters don't serve their servants. But our master does. Do you know not, not too long after Jesus said this, that he would gird himself and he would sit at the feet of his disciples and he would wash their nasty, dirty feet? Our Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Peter would say, no way. You're going to wash my feet, Lord. Maybe that's how you would be towards the Lord. That's how I would be towards the Lord. No way. You're too good for that, Lord. There's no way that I'm going to do that. No, no, but if you, if you don't allow me to do that, you can have no part with me. The idea Jesus is, is saying is that you've got to serve in these areas of, uh, where, where it's just this despicable moments where you're going to serve anyway. You're going to do things beyond what, what is culturally okay. Jesus is going to get on his knees and wash your feet. He's going to serve you in some way. It's crazy to think that. 
that our Lord would come and serve us in some way. But He already has. He served us on the cross. He served us when He hung on the cross and died for your sin. He served you. He was thinking of you. He girded Himself and He was prepared and He was ready to give His life up for you in serving you because He wants relationship with you. You might think, man, I don't deserve that. And you're right. None of us deserve that, but that's why it's grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. None of us deserve what He's done for us. And yet He is constantly giving of Himself over and over and over again because He loves us. Because He's a gracious God and He loves to give good gifts to His kids and He loves to save people. That's, that's God's M.O., salvation. I want people to be reconciled. And then once they're reconciled, I want them to be changed and I want them to be more like me because the more you're like Jesus, the more satisfied you are. The more you're like Jesus, the more you realize that it's less about this horizontal world and it's more about this vertical world. The more you're like Jesus, I think the more you'll spend time on your knees vertically with the Lord, the Father, just, just communing with Him. Jesus loved to spend time with His Father. The Lord's a gracious God. He's an incredible God. We've been given all kinds of signs. So we should be waiting with great expectancy today of His coming. Secondly, if you're taking notes, being ready means watching diligently. Look at verse 38. Jesus said, if, if, if the Master knows, uh, you know, if, if He comes in the second watch or the third watch and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Um, the, the idea here is that, you know, the second watch through the third watch, that's 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. and 12 a.m. The third watch is 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. It's a 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. watch. That's the night watch. And so Jesus was saying, if I showed up, or if the Master showed up between 9 p.m. and 3 a.m. in the morning, these servants should be ready. They should be ready to go. Um, that requires you watching for your Master, right? requires that you're constantly looking for Him, that you're, on, you're looking on the horizon constantly wondering, will He come today? Will He come today? Verse 39, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man. It's coming an hour you do not expect. We can all say that we're watching diligently, Right? But if we have no idea, we're not looking to the horizon, we're not watching diligently, what do I mean? Well, I can tell you that I watched a movie, but if I fell asleep in the movie, I didn't really watch the movie, did I? Oh yeah, I saw that. Oh yeah, remember this part? No, I don't remember that because I was sleeping. You said you watched it, right? But no, I didn't mean literally, come on. I didn't watch it, but I mean I was there, I was present. Well, watching diligently means that you're literally looking for it for this to happen. I like what Pastor Chuck said. Pastor Chuck said, you know, Christians should read their newspapers with their Bibles open. That's watching diligently. Looking at the events that are taking place around you and saying, I'm watching diligently for my Lord to come. I'm watching because it's going to happen one day. Jesus told His disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane before He was uh, taken, Watch and pray. Be watchful. They're coming. They're going to come. They're going to come get me. Watch and then pray. Just be praying. But watch. He's telling you today, watch diligently. Look around. Take a look around you. 
Look at what's happening culturally. And yeah, I, I understand our, our nation's been in you know, existence for 230-some years, 38, whatever it is. And uh, um, you know, we're, 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 we're a small piece of the puzzle as it relates to the, the rest of the world. You've got to look at the global view of things. We're not just looking at the United States and going, oh man, the end is coming. You know, like, like uh, when, when gay marriage passed, you know, it was like, oh my goodness, Jesus is coming back. Well, okay, let's, let's get the global picture Let's take a look at the global picture. What's happening globally, right? Things like when uh, Russia's attacking, you know, Israel or, you know, shooting at Israel and Syria, stuff like that, you know, things that relate to us globally, things that are just kind of blanketed across the board. You look at Europe and you see how godless they are as a society and then you start to look around the rest of the world and you say, okay, I can see what's happening here. There's, a, there's definitely the world is falling apart. So it's not just about looking at the United States, but it's about keeping an eye on the entire world. And I don't mean in the sense of you're so consumed by that that, that you, you don't have time to read your Bible. What I mean is that you, that you have a big picture view of what's happening in the world. I think that's what Jesus was saying because his disciples asked him, when will we know you're coming? Jesus said, look for these things. All of those things were global things. He was talking about, you know, hey, they're going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nations will rise up against nations. He wasn't just talking about Israel. He's talking about on a global scale. Those are the kind of things that we need to look for. We need to be watching diligently. We need to be awake and looking at what's happening in our culture. A lot of this tells us where we sit and what that should mean for you is that should put an even more fire in your heart to go out and share the gospel because you, will, you, you, you know time is short. And by the way, you'll never be able to do that again once you leave this earth. You'll never ever be able to tell somebody about Jesus. You'll never ever be able to say, hey, you know what? You need Jesus. So you need to do that today. You need to do that every moment you can today because at the end of the day, when we go to heaven, there's no evangelism. There's no making disciples in heaven, right? That's the call today. So we're called to do today. And as we watch diligently in the world and we see what's happening in our culture, we go, man, this is pressing me forward to help me know the signs of the times so that I can be doing my job today. I'm watching diligently. I see what's going on and that's going to cause me to work faithfully. That's the third point. Jesus tells us to work faithfully. Verse 41, Peter says, Lord, are you telling this parable for all of us or... And the Lord said, I love the Lord, how he does this. Peter asks him a question, and, and he stays true to form. Well, let me ask you a question, Peter. <laughs> you know, Peter, let me ask you. Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom the master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Question mark. You tell me, Peter. Listen, follows up with, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Jesus answers his question, but he, but he does it in a way where Peter has to think about it. Now, now, there's lots of different interpretations of the question that Peter's asking. Is Peter just asking, is Peter asking, Lord, are you talking to just us as believers? Or are you talking to the non-believers too? Could be. Or is, is Peter asking, Lord, are you talking to us 12 and then the rest of the believers? That's what I believe Peter's asking. 
I believe, I believe this is all related to the disciples because, again, go all the way back to verse 1. And the Lord said to his disciples. He was speaking to his disciples. He'll turn to the crowd later. I think we'll see that next or in a couple weeks. But, but here's the deal. I believe that he's, Peter's asking, Lord, does, are you talking about us 12 as the... As, as, are you talking about to us or are you talking about is this apply to every believer that existed? Now, it certainly applies to the 12, right? Who then is this faithful and wise servant or, ma- or manager? Who's, the, who's this wise, or faithful and wise manager? Of course, it applies to the 12 for sure because they're, 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 the God has given them something. He's given them the gospel to take into the world. He's given them responsibility, you know, but they're not really over churches or anything. They're just kind of in there, they're doing their, they're, 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 they're the ground floor, man. So in a sense, they're, they're managers, but, but also in a sense, so, so is every believer, right? God has put you in management of your family. God has put you in management of your spouse if you're married. God has put you in, in management of those people around you that, that maybe he's calling you to disciple. He's put you in management of those non-believers that are in your life, you have a lot of responsibilities, believe it or not. You can be single and go, man, I'm glad I don't have any of those responsibilities. Oh, don't worry. God's got plenty more for you. You know, he's got lots of responsibilities for you. This is an issue of stewardship. The Lord is saying, this is about my stewards. This is about those whom I'm entrusted something. This is about, this is about the believers. So Jesus answers, Peter, Peter, this is for all of my servants who belong to me. So listen up. If you belong to Jesus, because he's, he's speaking to us today, that you and I are called to work faithfully. You know, the, the, the servant in the story here, he kind of gets to a place where he's like, man, the, my, my Lord's not coming. He's not coming now, so I'm just going to kick back and not really do anything. I'm going to, and I'm going to um, you know, become unloving towards people. And I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm just going to kick back and relax and enjoy my time. And I'm going to mistreat people. Verse 45, but, but if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in his coming and beating, uh, begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come up on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know and will cut him into pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Jesus is illustrating to us here that although the master has delayed in his coming, that doesn't give us right to delay in our, in our working, in our waiting, in our watching. We're still called to do what we're called to do. The Lord has a plan and he knows what he's doing. But we have to trust that plan. and We have to do what he's called us to do. Jesus is telling us, and you've seen, I think that you've seen it, Matthew 24 tells us that the love of many will go cold in the last days, right? And I believe that happens in the church. And I believe that that's happening in the church. And I believe that people are incredibly intolerant of each other in the church. God's, even God's children are incredibly intolerant of one another. And, and, and you know, the Lord says that, that, the, that if, you, if you become, the more intolerant you become, uh, maybe part of maybe uh, the issue of that is that you're not really thinking Jesus is coming back soon. That that maybe if you thought about Jesus coming back soon, you would maybe not mistreat people like like you are. He says here, these this this servant thought I'm just going to beat the male and ser- male and female servants, be unloving towards them, to not 
meet them where they are, to not love them where they are, to just be ruthless with them. And it's a result of not, of, of not living and being faithful to what he's given you. If he's put somebody tough in your life, listen, if he's put something very, very difficult in your life that it's, they're very difficult to love, then he's working on you too. Then he's trying to take away things from you so that you can be more, become more like him. You're like, man, no matter how much I try and shake this person, I can't get rid of them. There's the point. The Lord's saying, no, I'm, I want you to be faithful with what I've given you. You've got to love them. You can't beat them up. I see pastors stand in pulpits and beat, beat the sheep. They beat them with God's word. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You're not doing enough. You need to give more. You need to be more sacrificial. Go sell your house. Put us in your will. Do these things. Do the, that, those things. And at the end of the day, that's, you know, there, there's, there's maybe some truth to what they're saying, but they're saying it in such a way that it's unloving and they're beating people up. Listen, I know probably majority of you guys come in this place already beat up. I know that you probably beat yourselves up. Maybe some of you don't. But, but my, my, my thinking is that a true believer, oftentimes, they're so busy beating themselves up that they forgot about the grace of God. I don't need to do that. I just need to faithfully remind you of what God's Word says. And, and He will do the work in you. And God doesn't want to beat you up. God wants to build you up. He wants to, he wants to heal those wounds in your life. He wants to meet you right where you are. And He wants to... He wants to encourage you to become everything that he says that you can become, right? He doesn't want to beat you up, but he will rebuke you and he will correct you just like I will my children when they're not doing what they're right. And by the way, he will spank you. He will spank you. You know, the idea here is that, that when Jesus was giving this illustration, that if a, a servant were to go, their master were to leave and come back finding that their servant wasn't faithful to what he was called to do, he'd kill him. He'd cut him in half. He would just kill him. He'd be done. He'd throw him with the rest of the unfaithful servants, which is basically in, in, in Gehenna, in the pile, a burning pile of, of people because they weren't unfaithful. Now, this isn't saying God is going to take believers, cut them in half, and throw them in the pile. Again, this is a parable. Not everything applies exactly the way that it's written. Culturally, that's what would happen. They would get that. What Jesus is saying principally, as far as it relates to the whole truth that he's talking about, is that there are repercussions for being unfaithful to what he's given you. And I've seen those repercussions in, in pastors' lives where they're out committing adultery and they're doing these things and the Lord just strips them of everything. That's, that's the Lord disciplining them. That's the Lord taking them away. Read the seven letters to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. The Lord says, if you don't stop doing what you're doing, I'm going to do this. There's only a couple of churches that are doing well. That, there's only one church, I think, that the Lord had nothing bad to say about. Here's the thing. is There are consequences for being unfaithful to the Lord today. And I know as redeemed people, that's kind of hard to understand. But, but, but you're not judged based on you know, your sin, because God's already taken care of that on the cross. He's not looking at you as it relates to that, but you are a steward. And he's put you in place of a steward. Matthew 25, the, the parable of the talents, you know. The master gave uh, three different servants, three different um, levels of talents, different responsibilities, and he said, go do something with this. Uh, he came back, two of them did something with it, and 
They tried to make him money, and guess what? They did, because he had given them that responsibility. He wasn't going to let them fail. The third, per, third one, he didn't do anything. He was afraid of his master. He said, man, I'm not doing anything with this because I'm afraid. Fear will stop you from doing what God's calling you to do. God will equip you to do what he's calling you to do, but it'll take faith. But fear will stop you. So when the master shows back up in Matthew 25, the parable there, and he says, hey, what'd you guys do with, my, with the money that I gave you? Oh, Lord, here's what I did. You know, the, the one that had, the, the first one had 100 whatever talents, and he came back with 1,000. I'm just making numbers up. But um, it, the other one came back, he was given, you know, 20 talents, and he came back with 100. The, the third one comes back the exact same amount, and he goes, here, I, did, I was afraid. And the Lord rebukes that one. The Lord says, why didn't you do what you were called to do? There's repercussions for that. I don't know what they look like. I'm not here to tell you what they are. What I'm telling you is that the Lord's calling you to be faithful. He's calling you to, to, to work faithfully in these end times because He chose you from the foundation of the world to stand for Him today. It's not a coincidence that you live in this culture, in this time, in this day and age where all this stuff's happening. He placed you here. You believe that God is sovereign? You believe that He's in control of everything? Do you believe that He chose you from the foundation of the world? Then He has a purpose for you. You need to be faithful to what He's calling you to. Now, I can't tell you what that is in your life. I can't tell you what you're not being faithful with or what you are being faithful with. Those you know, that are faithful, the Lord says, blessed is that servant He talks about towards the end there. And He says, you know what? I'm going to put that one over all my possessions because that one was faithful. Listen, work, when, we, when Jesus comes back in his second coming, not to be confused with the rapture, the rapture happens first, then the tribulation period, then at the end of the tribulation period, the second coming of Christ. During the second coming of Christ, I believe the church will be with Jesus. The church will come with him. And during the millennial reign, this thousand-year period that the Lord sets up and Jesus is ruling and reigning on earth, I believe he will set us, his church, ruling and reigning with him on earth. Okay, we'll be given cities and different things to do, and we'll be given responsibilities to do, and I believe that all of that relates to what you did with Jesus in this life today. I believe that all of that has to do with what you're doing with Jesus today. Are you being faithful? Well, man, you know, if, if I had a hundred people to talk to about Jesus, I'd do it. But he's given you one. Well, he's not going to give you a hundred if, if you only have one. If you're, not doing, if you're not being faithful with the one. Some of you guys are asking the Lord, when are you going to, Lord, I want, more, I want to do great things for you and you're not doing the things that he's calling you to do today. The small things. You know, the little things, the being faithful with, with his word at your workplace when somebody's down and you know that the Holy Spirit's saying, go comfort them with my word and you don't do it because you're afraid. But Lord, man, make me an evangelist. Well, He's, he's trying to. He's, you know, what I know is that he has a specific role for you. He has a specific job for you. If you call this your church, he has a specific role and a job for you. You know, th th this isn't something that we just show up to and just go, okay, I don't, I'm not really contributing. I'm just a taker. I'm not a giver. No, we're called to come and give, to give to him in terms of, you know, as it relates to our talents, the things that we have been given. You know, if, if you feel... God specifically designed you with a talent so that you could, you know, and, he, and, and sometimes you don't even know it's there. 
Sometimes, you know, I, I never thought that I would ever have the gift of teaching. And, and honestly, the first three or four times, neither did the congregation. You know what I mean? But, but, but as the Lord cultivated that gift, sometimes that gift takes cultivation. It takes you turning over the dirt constantly. And just, you just know that God's calling you to do it. So you just keep doing it. But you may not see the fruit right away. But if you keep turning the dirt over, it's going to start to get fertile. And He's going to start to plant things. And it, it's going to grow. But he, he designed you to do something. And, and you, you know, he's given us all the blanket call, Matthew 28, 18, and 19, um, you know, to go and make disciples. That, all of us have that. None of us can shirk that responsibility. We have accountability to that. But he's also designed you for something else. He has a specific ministry for you. And you might be sitting here today, you think like, well, what is that? I don't know. I can't tell you what it is. You start to seek his face. Let me just give you a, my testimony. When I became a Christian, and in, 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 in basically for the first year, all I did was focus on His Word, and, and I was just consumed with the knowing God, and knowing God, I wanted to know God, I wanted to know God more, I wanted to know Him more, and the more I got to know Him, the more I started to do. It was weird. It was like, you know, I, I got to know the Lord as my Savior, then I started, my church would ask me to do different things with guitar, and you know, they knew that I sang. So it was in my, like I had natural gifting already, that the Lord had given me, that, that he started to use. But I'd never done it in this way, right? It was more, when you lead worship, it's not performing. It's, it's trying to grab the crowd and bring them into the throne of God. It's, it's, a, it's a gifting that God gives you. I didn't have that gifting initially. I could just kind of play and sing a little bit, you know? But as the Lord, you know, as I, I started walking with the Lord more and I started to get to know him more, and I started to have a burning passion to do more for the Lord, and so I moved from Montana after about three years of being a Christian, and I just had kind of been spotty serving, but I had, I had been being discipled by a guy. He was faithful to continue to pour God's word into me. I was getting to know him more. And, and when we moved to Florida, you know, I said, well, well, hey, I can, you know, when I showed up at church, I want to I do something for the Lord. What can I do? Well, they, they had a need for a sound guy. So I'm not a sound guy. Know anything about sound, but I'll do it. Hey man, I'll do that. You know, I know something about music. So I started to do that and I was faithful with that. Okay. And as as I was faithful with that, you know, I was helping the worship team. I was helping them lead people into worship. Eventually the Lord would call me out of that into um into in an upfront position where I was before people and I was helping lead worship. I wasn't the worship leader. And I was faithful with that position. Then the Lord gave me a little bit more, and I became the worship leader of my church. You see how this works? Like you be faithful, and then he adds more. And then you be faithful, and he adds more. So then I'm faithful with the worship leading, and I'm just, you know, and the more I get to know the Lord, I'm just excited. I can't, I love to share what he's doing in my life and my devotions and stuff like that. And, and then my pastor asked me if I wanted to teach for him one time when he was leaving. And I, and I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know about that. He had, he had seen that. The Lord had spoken to him about um, that in my life. You know, so sometimes people see things in you that, you know, the Lord's given them that, that, that word to help you along with your gifting so that you, he can put you in that, that place. But then I started, and I got, I got into the teaching thing, and, and the Lord had called me to that, and as I was faithful with that, you know, in somebody else's church, then the Lord moved us to Tennessee, and he called us to plant a church. You can't wake up one morning and just go, oh, I think I'm going to go start a church. You know, it's a calling. It's a gift. And God will cultivate those gifts. 
it, you know, and sometimes he does it a lot faster than other people. I'm pretty, pretty slow. So the Lord, it took a period of time for him to kind of go, yeah, this is going to be some work, but I'm gonna, I think he'll do it, you know. But, and maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're a little slow. Maybe the Lord is saying, hey, he's trying to prod you on. He's saying, it's time to work. Like, I want you to work. Be faithful with the little things that you've given. Don't despise the days of small things. Because it's in the small things that the Lord trains you. And he shows you his faithfulness. And then he takes you to the next step. And he shows you his faithfulness. All the while you exercising faith. Because it will require that. All I'm saying is that God designed you and geared you and, and gifted you for something. But the question is, are you being faithful with it? Peter asked the question, who are you speaking to, Lord? To the faithful and wise servant. He's talking to you today. The question is, are you being faithful and wise with what he's given you? you you're a servant. If you're in Christ, you're a servant. But are you being faithful and wise? One day when you stand before the Lord, he's going he's gonna to say to you, hopefully, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, if you weren't good and faithful to his calling in your life, I don't know what he'll say. He might just say, enter into your rest. I don't know. But, but this isn't like I was talking about last week, you know. Here, everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> when you stand before heaven, the Lord's not going to say, well done, good and faithful servant to, to everyone. If you, have, if you weren't faithful with it, then how can he say that? You know, you've got to be faithful to what he's called you to. And so... Today is one of these days that, you know, hopefully you leave here saying, Lord, what are you calling me to do? And am, am I being faithful to it? And hopefully it provokes th this, this, this process in you that you go and seek his face. And again, I don't know whether you're being faithful or not. But you know, what I know is that you're going to be challenged in it every day. You're going to be challenged in choosing something else other than the Lord. You're going to be challenged in doing something for Jesus or doing something for yourself. You know, it's going to be an investment. It's going to take you using wisdom and saying, Lord, you know, and, and of course there's more ministry than anyone can do in the world, so that's why it takes wisdom. But, but it's, Lord, am I, I don't want to live for myself, so help me be faithful with what you've given me and let me work diligently. Three things Jesus shows us that, that will help us know that we're ready. Are you waiting expectantly? Are you looking and longing for the return of the Lord? Are you waiting? Are you at the door, all clothed and ready to go? Suitcase is packed. They're not going anywhere. They're going to stay here, but you're going to go with the Lord one day. Are you, re are you waiting in, in, in expectancy for that to happen? Are you watching diligently? Are you peeking out the window, looking at the horizon, seeing, is the Lord coming today? It might be today. I don't know. And are you working faithfully? These things define whether you are ready or whether you are not. And now it's your opportunity to go before the Lord and let him speak to you regarding that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for just the calling, for the soberness, Lord, that sometimes your word brings to us and helps us to see where we are with you. And the reason you do that, God, is because you want us to progress. You don't want us to stay the same. You want us to become more like Jesus. And that's what you're doing even right now in our lives, Lord. 
I pray for my brothers and sisters as they consider the word that you've given us this morning about being ready. That you would help us, Lord, to wait patiently, to, but to also be waiting expectantly. That we would be looking for the return of our Lord. That we would be watching diligently, looking at the events that are unfolding around us, Lord, and how it relates to, to your word. Staying, staying in tune with the things of this uh, world, but not being consumed by them, Lord. And Father, that we would be faithful to the work that you've called us to. Some of us you've called to, well, most of us you've called us to secular work. You've called us to just um, to um, go into the workplace and, you know, we're, we're, we're taking care of our families and all, but yet there's a ministry there. And I know for years I, I forsook that ministry, Lord. And I know that you're calling us, Lord. You place us into our workplaces. Again, you're sovereign. You know all things and you've created us and, and placed us in where you have us in life for your purpose. So Lord, help us not to miss what we're called to do in those moments in our workplace, in our families, in our church, Lord. Help us to work faithfully for you, Lord. But Lord, help us to remember that no matter what, it's all about grace. It's all about what you've done for us ultimately as it relates to our salvation in you. We don't have to work for that, Lord. We don't have to do anything for that, but just trust you with it. So I pray if there's anyone this morning that doesn't have a relationship with you, that's the first step in getting ready, is knowing Jesus as Savior, because if we don't know Jesus as Savior, we're not ready. Lord, I pray that if you would have anyone here this morning that would need to call upon your name for salvation, you would help them do that as we end in this last song, Lord, that they would just invite Jesus into their hearts, that they would just allow him to be King of kings and Lord of lords. And for those who are believers here today, Lord, as we end, that you would help each one of us to evaluate our hearts. And as we ask you to come, Lord, that, we are, that you equip us to be ready for your coming. We love you, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.